In today's competitive e-commerce environment, it's never been more important to earn and maintain the trust of your customers. Merchant Fraud Journal's To Catch a Fraudster podcast is supported by SIFT, the leader in digital trust and safety. SIFT empowers companies to stop fraud and grow without risk. Visit sift.com slash assessment to schedule a consultation with SIFT's trust and safety architects. Industry experts who have decades of fraud fighting experience at companies like Facebook, Square, and Google. They'll help create a custom plan for your business with an emphasis on technology, organizational structure, and process. Visit sift.com slash assessment today. And we're live. Jordan and John, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I'll start off as we always do. Tell us who you are, where you're from, who you represent, and we will start it off. Go, John. Kick us off. My name's John. I'm from New Zealand. And who do I represent? I represent SpotRisk, which is a fraud prevention platform or risk platform for e-commerce merchants. A bit about myself. I'm a proud father of uh, two girls outside of work, eight and four. So if I'm not doing all this busy work, I'm uh, chasing around after them. And uh, yeah, yeah, I've been in I've been in technology for uh, well about twenty years now. I love the mixture of technology and business and bringing it together, particularly when you can bring it together to help people. So yeah, that's a real brief introduction. I hope that sort of makes sense. But yeah, I'll hand over to you, Jordan. Nice one. Yeah, um, Jordan, CEO and co-founder of SpotRisk, had the pleasure of working with John through numerous different uh, software companies and startups over the years. And yeah, was in Sydney at the time John approached me with a really good idea, which has now become the, the SpotRisk product. So likewise, a family based out of working from home in my office, which we were just discussing before, obviously, uh, is pros and cons, the best of uh, both worlds, being able to step outside for lunch, to see your kids and then have your kids step inside your office at any time of the day. So I'm super pumped to have you guys on because besides you guys being awesome guys, and we've, we've spoken for a little bit before jumping on here, and the technology and the product, we've never had someone from New Zealand on the show. So this that's, is... that's There's not many of us, so quite likely. Yeah. Um, so glad to fly the flag. Kia ora, yeah, man. Would say in New Zealand. I always say I want to get out to that corner of the world, but only once. And I just have to find the right... Wait, because it's I think a twenty hour flight to get out there, which I, I, I don't think I don't think I can handle more than once in my I did one fifteen hour flight and it almost broke me. So I don't know, twenty is <laughs> is really is really for, for a Kiwi, a twenty hour flight is like the most exciting thing. Cause other than that, it's like a twenty minute drive. So yeah, we're more willing to travel. It's something that we do a lot. Otherwise we're tucked down here on our small little island. Yep, your small of corner world. of Western civilization out there with the audience. Yeah. All right, so let's hear some great fraud stories. Let's kick it off. Yeah, awesome. I mean, we, we can talk about one just yesterday, I guess, that happened. And it talks to the, the power of, I guess, fraud prevention platforms and network effect. It's not like the most juicy, exciting story other than to say that statistically, there's obviously millions of online stores out there. And then there's thousands of potential bad actors and fraudsters out there. And something that happened yesterday on our product, we were really happy to see, I guess as a caveat, relatively new, only been live for uh, three months coming up now, 
we were able to actually detect on our network a bad actor that was trying to scam two completely individual networks in the New York region, individual merchants, and actually flag that across both. So we're excited to see and a bit maybe scared also by how maybe these individuals are actually reaching multiple merchants at once. And if we've found someone this early on, imagine how many are out there. So we're really, I guess, really encouraged as a product that the network effect is picking up people this early on. We've only got hundreds of customers at this stage. So it's not like we've got thousands of people to create that network effect. So that's really exciting. I guess another story we've had, John, maybe you want to speak to that New York example. Oh no, it was a Miami example, wasn't it? Where we had our product, someone called out and basically said, guys, please help. I'm getting spammed and hundreds of orders, I guess, in the space of a day. Yeah. You want to talk to that one, John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's fascinating, like some of the stories that we're encountering and the, again, relating to some of the, the relationships we've had working in bricks and mortar. Like Jordan mentioned, we both have sort of a background in e-commerce and technology as well as uh, retail. But th- this one was particularly interesting around, yeah, we noticed like hundreds of orders coming through for this particular uh, merchant and we were looking at them and they reached out to us. I mean, Merchants generally get quite concerned and they look for the solution when this stuff starts happening to them. So we ingested the orders and we found that they're shipping commonly to one specific address. So out of all the order details are different, different names, different email addresses, different values, different products are really testing the merchants, the payment flows in the merchants. And they obviously had gained access to some cards, some actual credit cards that they were using to try purchase from this merchant but yeah the shipping addresses were changing very slightly same street same place but very slightly incrementing they're obviously trying to ship number two uh, number three yeah. number four yeah. yeah so they're testing and the orders were going through and you know we obviously picked this up and recommended that they don't ship but they're trying to drop ship these packages across one particular street and they must have been porch up. pirates right like they yeah. must have been watching the street waiting for deliveries to come knowing what was in the consignments and actually just stealing them as they arrived yeah that's it that's it but but fascinating behavior and we sort of picked it up too i mean like one of the things that parallels that we draw to retail crime that happens in retail stores and online crime is that we can actually detect similar like there's a behavior that happens in both areas like if you imagine somebody coming into a retail store you know, if they're not wearing a balaclava or, <laughs> you know, running in to, to steal something, they're more, you know, I've worked in retail and, and noticed this, they'll be a lot more sneaky with like, they'll, they might take something off the shelf and put it in the shopping cart as they push the shopping cart around the store and have a bunch of shopping in that shopping cart from another part of the mall or whatever. But in online, it's like you don't have that visibility in real time unless you actually have the tools to surface it up and you see the behavior of people on your site, like the actual detailed behavior. And that's something that, we notice there's also different behaviors of this particular fraud case that happen. Like they'll go in very quickly, select a product, very quickly add it to the card, very quickly put in the in the credit card information, very quickly check out, and then very quickly go back to the catalog and pick something else out around that price range and do the same thing again. Almost like it was scripted. So that started alerting in our systems and and, and as we sort of analyzed the data coming through from that particular merchant. And it was a great outcome because Based off these heuristics, we managed to firstly add a sort of a risk profile for that particular 
individual that's gone across our network. And secondly, we've managed to go back to the merchant and say, hey, look, you know, this is a bad actor and we definitely don't recommend shipping or wasting your time, you know, your valuable time on it. So um, we can block that bad actor as well with Shopify and things couldn't. So although the details were changing, there were some common threads with that bad actor and we were actually able to stop it occurring in future based on those unique common threads. So I'm curious for people who are relatively new to the industry, as you said, just a couple hundred customers, although that's great, congrats, and just kind of starting out, what you see the profile of the industry being? Because from our perspective, I've been in the industry now five, seven years, long, long time. And it's easy when you're in the middle of something all the time to miss the forest through the trees, so to speak, because you're just kind of in it all the time. What do you guys see coming to this new as the vulnerabilities that people are not paying attention to, whether that be at the small level, your small SMBs who are running Shopify stores, maybe a million dollars, ARR, something like that, relatively small, or your enterprise companies. What are you seeing as you approach this space as the core problems that have yet to be fully addressed? In a nutshell, I think, but the problem is most solved in the moment at the, around the payment space. So that actual credit card checkout area. And what we see is there's a huge amount of information that happens before the point of checkout to what John touched on earlier. And then after the point of checkout, where a lot of bad actors with might be stolen credit cards or 3DS, things are still making it through. And then we're still sending bad products and having them essentially end up in chargeback disputes at the end of the day. So we're seeing there's two areas. One, not a lot of the competition aren't being smart at telling or empowering the merchants to know about their customers' behavior on their site. And that can have benefits for good buyers as well. There's some interesting information there as well as obviously the bad actors who purchase in a very different way. And some interesting stories we could talk to about that in a moment. But also we're hearing, you know, lots of merchants have um, signed up with us and said like, the amount of times I've actually called the courier driver or DHL or the UPS driver to say, stop, I've just figured out this is likely to be a fraudulent order, take it off the truck. So there's that kind of pre-purchase and then that order fulfillment and closing the loop step we see as I guess two of the unsolved problems. And no matter what people are doing with the credit card space, our head of product said kind of there's always been lock pickers able to break or safe crackers able to break the latest and greatest safe. So we see that as the checkout phase and there's a lot of opportunity to safeguard before and after that process. Hope that answered the question. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So taking that in mind, when you guys are approaching building a new solution now, what are you most cognizant of? What is keeping you up at night? What are the things that you're looking to create and build where you see opportunities to, in the trenches, as we like to say, improve on those processes and find solutions for people? I'll pass to you on that one, John. I mean, John's always talked about community, empowerment, and kind of transparency in the information that have been providing. Our business isn't about making these decisions in the background on behalf of the merchant. We're about empowering the merchant. And there's a big community aspect to that. John? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question in a couple of parts, but like I'll draw to an experience that I have personally, which is part of the reason why I, I knew there was, the, like we discovered an opportunity with sort of spot risk. But to go back, um, I've done drop shipping before. I've done side hustling and stuff like that. Not as successful as many other merchants uh, as other merchants have. But in saying that, one of the three things is that as somebody that's 
gone through it is you want to build experiences like people landing on your page as an experience your customer experience the way you support you, you give your you ship your products and they open it up it's all an experience um, and that experience builds brand builds your brand one of the things that I think you know and you mentioned sort of what are you missing through the forest before as well as as a merchant is protecting your brand and that's where spot risk comes in it really helps protect your brand and gives you confidence that you know it gives your shoppers confidence that they that they're buying from a trustful source because you're thinking about the edge cases for example you know account takeover credit card fraud and that type of stuff so i really like this point that you made about brand because that's something that we're really seeing a lot more in the industry as we've moved as i've said a million times anyone that listens to this podcast away from the idea of fraud being just about chargebacks and really being more of a holistic approach and competing on customer experiences, providing brand identity. And so I'm curious, coming to it new from the outside, what you see going on in the space and where you see room for companies to use the fraud prevention process to improve it in order to make a better brand for their customers. Yeah, I think in terms of protecting your brand, it's like protecting, like I mentioned before, to protecting your customer experience, right, um, ultimately. Because the, what we're noticing is the trends is around customers are expecting their data to be protected, expecting, you know, a lot of legis- legislation is moving in, legis- oh my God, <laughs> legislation um, is moving in that area. Um, wow, big words, um, it's a bit late here. Yeah, this legislation is an educational is program. Yeah, yes, yes. It's a very educational <laughs> program. How to pronounce the legislation. It's moving in that area globally, you know, and as, as a consumer myself, you know, like if I put in my email and my buying habits, my the way I click around your site, it's all data that you want protected. And the responsibilities with the merchant in order to protect that. And that's something that spot risk, not to name drop, but like is expected now. So you'll find that that the trend is, is that how are you protecting that data? Who are you sharing that data with? How do I know somebody's not going to come along and be able to get into my account when I'm shopping on your online store and make a whole bunch of purchases with my saved credit card information? Stuff that 3DS, some of the other technologies just won't pick up. And because that is impactful to me, that causes me as a consumer stress. It damages, you know, if I was the merchant, it damages the brand because, you know, people talk about that stuff. So that's one of the trends that we're noticing. That's coming on full force. I mean, especially out of legislation out of the EU, Australia, the, the US, UK, they're all passing legislation that require this. You're seeing it in the cookie ban- banners now. You know, there's a lot of jokes going around that you land on a site, you dismiss the cookie banner, you dismiss the sign up to the newsletter, you dismiss <laughs> the pop up video, and then you forget why you're on the site in the first place. But, <laughs> I hadn't heard that, know. but it's true. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's the experience, right? And you want to protect that. You want to protect your brand. And that's coming through on the research, you know, that we've done across a lot of so, merchants. So take, me, take me through up. some of the conversations that you're having with merchants as you're going through your sales process, as you're going through your onboarding process. For people who are out there who are listening and in the market, let's say for a new solution, what are the kind of questions that they should be asking? What are the kinds of things that you're thinking about as a solution? Take me through some of that dialogue and back and forth that you're having with merchants on this topic. Yeah, I think that, and to continue maybe on the the brand theme, so people are very aware that some of the existing solutions are, I guess, overzealous in their blocking of 
I guess, the checkout flow. And they've had numerous examples where legitimate buyers have been blocked because of their, I guess, the fraud prevention platform or the inbuilt system in the actual e-commerce platform itself saying, no, this is dodgy, don't send it from a credit card perspective. So people are really interested in making sure that genuine buyers have as low friction as possible. And John touched on that before. And then there's also the closing the loop part we mentioned earlier, which is how do they have the discussions with a potentially fraudulent order and a potentially fraudulent buyer? And how do they actually validate? And we're seeing a huge amount of kind of manual discovery and investigation happening. And they're really interested in like, how can you automate all of these things they're doing manually to paint a picture of this customer? And one of the most exciting things that we're able to do is yeah, bring in additional data points that a lot of our competitors aren't able to do and really say, this is how we think the order is dodgy. And if it is dodgy, this is how you can interact with your customer to verify that buyer's identity or that they were a legitimate purchaser. So are that's part of share, the key features. Are you willing to share some of those data points with us and why they're important? Or is that proprietary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I think, there. yeah, John, do you want to talk to, I guess, some of the, the fraud signals that our, our platform ingests? The, 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 one of the, our favorite ones, obviously, is what happens before the point of purchase and how that all pulls through. I think we've talked to that one already. And I mean, I mean, not to throw you a hospital pass there, John, but things like the social media profiles, the, the visibility of what's happening with the delivery and the courier side of things, those are all really important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, break it down into two categories. There's the real-time fraud prevention, like the real-time analytics that we build, the data points that we pull out. And those are things like how the behavior is of the customer surfing on the, on the website, things from how many clicks do they make, you know, how they're interacting, how normal is that interaction for your, for the merchant's website? You know, like if you scroll up, you go, how far down below, even to the point of how far below the fold do they go? What images are the hot spots that they click on? How long do they spend on the page? We capture that information and then using that, we can sort of understand what the normal, our AI understands what sort of normal for, for your site. And then as some of the real-time capture points, and then as the order comes through, we ingest the database uh, data off the order and we look at things like, do they have social media profiles attached to their email address? What are some of the hotspots globally for, you know, what, what are some of the trending that we're noticing across our network? What are some of the trends and areas that are committing more fraudulent activity? Could be a sh- even down to the street address um, or the house address that we can pick up on and sort of link some of the others like VPNs, you know, like we notice in terms of fraudulent activity that sometimes VPNs are used, certain types of VPNs exiting different countries. We use things like the IP address to marry up and look for the order or any irregularities there. Another thing is like whether or not we've seen that customer before on our network, whether they've had successful orders and there's been no trouble there. So it goes back to a little bit of the community aspect as well with that. So bringing it back to like as more merchants use spot risk, the more powerful it gets in that respect. Some of the others we check are like, there's two other key bits that I'll just mention quickly that we check is Tor. Tor is another thing that we look for. For people that don't know, Tor is a completely anonymous network. It's used for a lot of great anonymization of network traffic, for example, for journalists that might be outside of the country trying to report on things, but it can also be used for nefarious activities, which leads on to the second point there is that we also look for um, information that's come through via the dark web. So we've got active analytics and information that we pull from the dark web to look for bad actors, such as like 
stolen credit card information, addresses used for drop shipping. We really scan um, that. So we're also checking that for compromised data. And that's proven to be really successful. Like we've noticed a lot of email addresses and addresses have a link back to the dark web that have been used to place orders. And to loop back, John, I guess, to the customer combos that like, that's exactly right. And I'm glad I passed you for that answer because you did far better than me. The people are kind of, we're trying to ask them, what are the processes you're doing without spot risk? And like, how can we help? And so a lot of those things, they're keeping databases of IPs, of Googled dark web lists, of email addresses, of different things that they should be on the lookout for. And this is kind of a fortnightly or monthly kind of process for them to keep their own database. The other really interesting one that took us a bit by surprise, I guess, building the product to then going live in beta and seeing how people are actually using it is the semi-enjoyment that merchants get from the investigation process. And there's actually a bit of like, we kind of, I got you kind of like, I know this is a, there's a little bit of like joy of the chase associated with that we noticed. And so their processes involve like going on Google street and then zooming in and seeing like, the windows are closed. Is that house vacant or is it for sale? We have merchants going on our local kind of directories of real estate agencies to see if that house is for sale. All these kind of things that a black box machine that just makes a decision for you doesn't do. And that's why we're trying to say we're going to empower you with all of the information and try to like bring all of the things that people are doing to de-risk their own orders, centralize it, and I guess give a beautiful UI that de-jargons this whole fraud and risk space that no SMB merchant wants to deal with that. They've got a million hats to wear. We do see it different as you kind of go on the upper echelons of Shopify Plus and that side of things. But for the majority of people in our target market, this either hasn't become a problem yet and they want to safety proof it, or it has become a problem and they're just freaking out about it and they need a solution now. So if you were in the market for a fraud solution yourself, I want to go back to the question about brand and how people should be thinking about this, because I think it's really relevant to everyone listening. What are the questions that you would be asking if you were in the market for a fraud solution to protect your store to make sure that you were getting the assurances that you needed, that your brand reputation would be protected by the solution you were purchasing? I'll have a crack and then I'll pass to Jordan because um, he's definitely smarter than me. I I would... (laughs) I would, for me as a merchant, the the thing that I care most about is protecting my customers' experience and growing my business. And what I'll be looking for is something that will simply do the work for me, that is simple to set up. It would, you plug it in, away you go, it will tell you when things are, when it needs my attention. Once it needs my attention, I have multiple different actions that I can take based off that notification. I'd look for something that is training itself because I'm more technical as well, I'd look for something that is AI-powered and that will will self-learn and be catered specifically for my commerce site, my commerce store, because they're all different in some respects. You know, they share similar common themes, but they are all different. And I want to know my brand's protected, really. That's what I'll be looking for. Jordan? Yeah, if I can add to that, I guess to a summary of what I'm hearing, John, is that it can delight our proper customers and protect us from, from bad actors. And that is part of knowing as a genuine shopper that the store is protected by something that looks after me. As someone who's had this credit card stolen, I guess, as any merchant, that's a, a value I would appreciate. 
so yeah, it's, it's about protecting the brand. It's about making sure that you provide a delightful experience and not adding friction for your own selfish kind of risk prevention needs. And that you can do it in a way that customers and buyers feel empowered to shop with you, knowing that you're protecting them and their cards and their payments and your identity, essentially. So and if everyone shops wanna, online, you will be a statistic eventually. I, I want to dig down into that. I'm thinking of the, the SMB merchant out there listening right now who's 100, got a million, sorry, ARR, 1 to 10 million ARR, let's say, and they're realizing that this is a big problem. Maybe they did a little something at the beginning when they realized they were getting chargebacks, but now they're really looking to ramp up their fraud prevention efforts and they're in the gathering information phase. What are the specific questions when they're test driving spot risk, when they're test driving some of the other solutions that are out there that they should be asking to ensure that they are going to get that protection? How can they go into the buying process and feel armed with the right tools to get the information that they need to make an intelligent decision for their business? I can talk, there's a couple of things where, where Jordan has a thing. I mean, what pops to my mind in, in particular that is the one to 10 million ARR. It's how are my, my operational cost and how much is the pricing reflected in the value that I'm getting? is a big thing that would that I think is a driver and some of the questions that we get asked as well what's the return on investment of using a system like spot risk first just having a somebody check it visually or keeping with my pen and paper process and quite often or not the return is quite significant especially once fraud starts happening because it, is a, it will happen and when it does start happening, people get nervous about shipping. As a merchant, you're nervous about shipping things. You might see something else, another order that comes through that's completely, totally legit that you, causes you to pause and think. So that's the key thing for me. It's like, how much is that return on investment versus, yeah, building it? For me, that, that speaks to the, the ability to delegate kind of this problem. We see, obviously, the difference between a, an SMB and a larger business is the amount of hats you wear as an owner-operator. You're probably... Um, involved in the pick, pack and dispatch operations from time to time, if not you recently have been and have recently given it up. And we're seeing a lot of business owners and kind of higher paid individuals be tasked with the overview of fulfilling orders because of the risk of getting it wrong. And so what we're seeing is these people coming in and saying, how do you solve this problem for me so that I can pay someone a lot less money than me to fulfill orders? with confidence. And so it's about, well, our tool can mean that the only orders you look at are the ones that are potentially fraudulent to make a call. And we're going to empower you to do that in a few seconds of time versus hours of spelunking. And then your pick, pack and dispatch team, they just know if anything's ready to be fulfilled in Shopify or another platform, away you go. So, so that's definitely part of it. The other side of things is, I guess you mentioned that slightly, like the, the amount of revenue you're making per year. It really does depend on like how high in the order of problems to solve is this. In the enterprise space, people know it's a problem. And again, if we go back to some of the earlier chats around bricks and mortar, there's not a retail store you'll go into now that doesn't have a security gate on the way out and either like the old school kind of plastic clip garments before the day it was exploding die packs, like you just robbed a bank. That was kind of crazy. And then like now you've got kind of more microchips and kind of more subtle ways and i would say that subtle kind of you know that the store is protected 
but it doesn't need to have giant gates and plastic die packs on the thing to know that you shouldn't rob it. It's just, you know that. So I think we're trying to put that, like don't become a statistic and then put in your overly heavy handed security gate and die pack system. It's like implement it first. And we provide, I guess, the cost and that ROI John mentioned where it's a no brainer for a small merchant and that kind of price scales as you grow. And that means that you either don't become a statistic or if you are, that ROI is very clear when you come running, I guess, standing in the fire of 50 chargebacks happening in the last two hours, as John mentioned in Miami happened. Yeah. Those are really great points, John. The, the other thing too that I've looked for in the merchant's shoes is the education aspect of it too, because a lot of the times it can be scary, like when you're dealing with, with fraud. So I would ask myself, what can this, or system, sorry, what can this uh, product, how can it educate me to be better and faster at fulfilling orders or detecting risk within the business or fraud? That doesn't include just the standard type of fraud of like your, your card not found, I've stolen a credit card trying to buy a bunch of stuff, but also friendly fraud and refund fraud and all the other aspects of fraud that can impact the bottom line of your business and take a toll on your mental health too. Like, you know, we generally talk to merchants that are actually having a lot of anxiety that their business is under attack, you know, and a lot of hard work's gone into making that. So we actually take a lot of pleasure as a team and actually celebrate when we provide that sort of confidence back. So Yeah, we've definitely addressed that as well on the podcast about the huge emotional toll that it can take on people when they have to deal with this kind of thing. And so that's why it's so important for people to get out in front of it. Now, you mentioned something a little back. I want to go back a while. You mentioned the idea of drop shipping, which is something that I know has become very, very popular. And I want to tie that into the concept of education, as you also mentioned. And when you see these new kinds of emerging trends and these new attack vectors, how do you guys as a team go about keeping yourself up to date on what's going on? How do you recommend merchants go about educating themselves and trying to stay ahead of the innovations that fraudsters are making? I'll have a crack at this one, then yourself, Jordan, but like, I, I think it's, to be honest with you, let's, <laughs> let us do the hard work for you. Um, we spend hours researching you, um, <laughs> same as self plug there, but I'm that's part of purchasing, I think, a good risk prevention platform, right? Is that, you know, there's hours and hours of research gone in there and to find out what are the latest trends. That involves lots of different things. It involves scouring the dark web. It involves keeping yourself up to date with news reports, finding, you know, reading forms, staying on top of the latest technology that can be used for attack vectors. Like there is um, AI that we use to prevent you know, fraud, fraudulent activity or detect it. There's also AI that's used to do fraudulent activity. So it's a constant, it, it's going to end up, it's starting now um, already, you know, and off the starting mark, but it's going to end up where it's a battle between the two, um, a race between criminal fraudulent people trying to build the better AI over the companies that are trying to use it for good. Um, and that's pretty scary. If you take if you take an example as a password, right? Like if you've got four or five character passwords or your customers have four or five character passwords, it only takes 10 seconds to, to crack that password these days. Whereas, you know, you need to pull sentences for good SecOps or security operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you don't want to force your, yeah, your clients. Part of to- that as well, I think, is, is, our, is it build, building profiles not only based on individual merchants, but their verticals as well. 
So you'll see similar trends within whether it be jewelry or electronics and obviously industries that are primarily drop ships, you know, lots of t-shirt companies and other things like that. We had one customer, you mentioned a story before where they found out and they approached us after going through this exercise that someone was actually buying their health food bars and products or health food company. And it was quite a big sophisticated money laundering operation in the end where they'd actually set up a shell company as the drop shipping entity. And they would actually purchase the products and send it to themselves as the drop shipper, essentially sell it to themselves and then on sell it. And therefore they're kind of twice removed from the person who eventually sent the product, both of whom was themselves. And part of that is understanding, like making sure we're across these things and we can actually block some of these drop shipping businesses and their addresses and things when we figure that out, because that drop shipping entity was hitting hundreds, if not thousands of other businesses. We just detected it. I guess one person on our network felt it, um, but the next person obviously wouldn't. So that's some way that sometimes we can manually just go, okay, we've found these kind of lists of bad actors or bad details that we should block. And then there's another way of using the customer network effect to actually do that themselves, obviously. Gotcha. So we're coming to the end because usually we like to keep these around 40 minutes. So I have to ask you guys before you go, as you're coming into the industry again and it's it's so great to see new actors new companies coming in to keep pushing everybody forward where you see us moving in the future you talked about the europeans and how they're always the tip of the spear with the regulation and the americans are always like five football fields behind them trying to you know catch up we talk California, about, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, as you come in here, what your vision for the future of the industry is as we move into things like AR, which I think is coming in the next couple of years, as we go to Web 3.0, 4.0, as we're moving through crypto and all these things. And we're just seeing the ecosystem that is really changing from what it's been. We've had a pretty static ecosystem, I would say, for the last seven to 10 years. Kind of, we hit an equilibrium of, as as you were laughing, the websites, and now everybody's kind of figured out how to job those websites with the pop-ups, with the this, with the that. And I feel like in the next couple of years, we're gonna start to see new mediums, new ways of, of using the internet. And it's exciting. I'm very hyped for the AR. Listeners can't see John's eyes. I can tell he's going to I'm very hyped for the AR glasses. Yeah, I'm very hyped for the AR glasses. I'm very hyped for all of these things. But on the risk side, anytime that there's a new channel, it's just rife for fraud because it's like the Wild West. Nobody knows what the best practices are. The new safe picker, yeah. Exactly. Nobody knows how people can attack, how they're coming at you what vulnerabilities there are. So take me through your thought processes as you're looking towards this inflection point, because I do think we're really headed for an inflection point in the next couple of years. What you guys are preparing for coming down the pipe and what your strategies are and what you would suggest to merchants that they should be thinking about to kind of prepare themselves for what's going to be coming. The, the Web3 discussion yeah, I mean, John, we've talked about that a lot in the last 24 hours alone. Like, it's a, it's a hot topic. Obviously, the the kind of 3DS, you mentioned the GDPR and the European side of things. 
And I'd say also that customer identity piece and actually kind of the ownership of your identity and your information in the buyer's hands or in the individual's hands in this case. John, maybe I'll pass to the CTO after Web3. What do you reckon? I think you're 100% right. That's a fantastic question, Bradley. It's actually a really exciting question because I agree 100% we're in between the revolution. And I think that, for me, I think that revolution is in between our current Web 2.0 and Web 3.0. And I hate throwing up buzzwords because buzzwords are used a lot in technology. Blame me. I threw that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What that genuinely means is the experiences are going to get deeper. And for those experiences, like your online shopping experience to get deeper, you need a digital footprint. And you've heard a little bit about this, like Facebook changing their name to Meta, the Metaverse itself. But it's really going to be about having a providing your customers a unique experience when purchasing in e-commerce. Now, what that means for, what I believe that means for, for risk is that opens up this even more risk across the board because you all of a sudden have, like with NFTs, digitalized tokens that are part of, you know, that you own. And as a merchant selling these things, you need to be on the forefront, you know, when this does comes around, you want to be on the forefront of being able to eliminate bad actors from that. So, yeah, every, like, yeah, I could, I could go on about this for hours. Um, I, I, like so you built it, spot risk, yeah. in a, like this API-first way, which gives us affordance to have e-commerce <laughs> as a beachhead, NFTs or OpenSea or, like, other things in the future and to have fraud and kind of risk prevention as a service kind of be the way we can kind of empower these other things rather than it be all sucked up by the by a big player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know a lot of the problems that they're having right now with the idea of autonomous cars is what happens when they get hacked. Yeah. Someone you're driving down the road and somebody says, send me even five hundred dollars right now, or you're going into that tree. Or a lot of the stuff so, with yep. with yeah. AR glasses, people hacking what you're looking at, changing kind of what you're seeing. It's a really, really intriguing problem as we become more and more integrated with the technology, the ability of people who are looking to use it for nefarious purposes increases commensurate with the depth of the experience as you're talking about. So it is really something that's going to be interesting moving forward, how we're going to deal with all this. And I personally... And still excited for it, but I do see that there are, are a lot of a lot of problems that also go beyond risk in the traditional sense as a financial thing, but also when you think about legal liabilities, who's liable if this happens. I have a lot of questions on that too. It's going to be really something that I think in the future we're almost going to look back on where we are now and say, remember the good old days when all you were worried about was somebody stealing your credit card and buying a big screen television, right? Now it's going to be what happens when somebody steals your car, access to your car, or you're on the highway and you you can't control the car anymore or who knows what. It's like the merchant should, you know, no doubt that every bricks and mortar retailer now has those security gates kind of when they open their store. In the same way, if you're building an online product, you should be considering risk and I guess online, like that risk prevention at the core of your build, um, not an afterthought once it reaches scale or it impacts your end users. To your For point, sure. kind of the world's your oyster now as a as an online scammer. There's so many avenues that are opening up and a new avenue to your point earlier will be fraught with vulnerabilities until they find them and close them. So 
the faster we move, the more opportunities there are outside of that credit card space. And For sure. And 3DS is part of solving that problem. I think you're right that thinking about it now, especially for enterprise companies out there that are planning on growing and being around 10, 20, 30 years, it's better to get in now because the things are becoming so much more complex that it's going to be harder and harder to disentangle this backwards as we move forwards because the complexities are just going to be huge. So if you're not thinking now about how you're going to be secure in a crypto first world, which may or may not be coming, but certainly we're trending, I think, a lot towards that biometrics, huge, huge in the future. We were talking to, I I forget who it was exactly on the program about retina scans, like real James Bond kinds of things. And if you're not thinking about that now and building those those architectures now, or at least thinking about how you're going to integrate with them, then you're really going to be behind the ball because it does seem for now, and who knows what the future will bring, but to all go back to that brand customer experience. I think that's really where people want to be. And if you're worrying about how to protect your AR goggles, and so you're creating these horrific customer experiences, people are just going to go elsewhere to someone who hasn't. So you really need to be on top of that. Bake it into those original decisions, and then it's it's part of that DNA, not an afterthought. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the program. Please tell us where everyone can find you on the web, and then we'll sign off. Web two. Awesome, yeah. Thanks for having us, Bradley. <laughs> We're not there to three yet. So, yeah, spotriskhq.com. We have a free plan, a free forever plan as well as uh, to paid plans. So sign up, check it out, see how we can work for you. If you're in doubt, obviously it's a free plan. If you're fighting fires at the moment, obviously there's some more advanced features on those paid plans that can help you out. But if you're already using another system, SpotRisk can also work in parallel with those other fraud prevention platforms. So you can compare apples and potatoes, so to speak, and judge for yourself. Yeah. yeah make, sure to, make sure to accept those cookies when you land there. <laughs> that's it's, right it, we're it, in new zealand so in new zealand we don't actually have to accept cookie banners it's something that frustrates me a lot we see lots of cookie banners displayed to us in new zealand but legally we're not in any of those jurisdictions that actually need it which is quite interesting talk about customer experience though right someone's go. just gone chuck a cookies banner on the world's websites and it's like well you only need it in eu and california for ccpa and like new zealand doesn't need it yet i click cookies banners thousands of times a day. (laughs) It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you, Brad. Take care. Thanks, Bradley.